Hamhuis intercepts, dumps the puck back in. Campoli has it, flips it. Burrow steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! They slayed the dragon. Alex Burrows, 5:22 into overtime. Game seven goes to Vancouver, and the Canucks are off to the second round. Burrows bags it. Bo Horvat. Danny Hansen. Horvat's gone to the front of the net. Cycles on. Horvat steps in, turns, fires into a crowd block. Another chance to score. his first National Hockey League playoff goal with some persistence in front of the Calgary net. And Couldn't get a shot away, now he gets it back, backhander through traffic, loose puck, Fernandez comes up, oh, oh, score! Matt Cook, Matt Cook, the Canucks have tied the game with 1.2 seconds. Now Daniel still has the puck. At the right point, he controls. Let's go with a slap shot, deflected in! Trent Clatt, the Canucks have won it in overtime. Clatt with the goal, and Vancouver takes game one. Welcome into the Canucks and Pucks podcast. Uh, welcome back to hockey and uh, Canucks hockey back on TV and the playoffs or play in, if you want to say, uh, back. And uh, today I'm joined by uh, Aiden Batley again, uh, my basically, I say co-host right now. And uh, we're very happy to be joined by Dan. Uh, I'm going to say your last name wrong, so I'll let you say it. Uh, yeah, Dan, it's a, it's, it's a suck. It's no problem. I'm happy to be here. It's Cybac, so it's like an AK, not an ORG, and then we're good. All right, sounds, sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, so Dan Cybac. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, very happy to have you on. Uh, actually met Dan at a preseason game uh, a while back, so I was happy to talk to, talk to you again. Thanks, I appreciate it. I'd like I'd like to think that I bring some sanity to Canucks Twitter when it goes uh, totally awry. So uh, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, they, there can be, there can be. When you actually introduce a dose of reality, everybody seems to calm down. Yeah, oh, that's right. So yeah, so uh, yesterday we had Canucks hockey back. Uh, they well, we'll break down the game, but uh, basically they didn't have a very good game. Didn't score any goals. Uh, lost three zip. Uh, Alex Stalock getting the shutout out there and um, Markstrom allowing two goals. Um, first of all, we'll have some overall thoughts uh, from, uh, we'll start with start with you, Dan, uh, what uh, your overall thoughts of the game, and then we'll uh, we'll talk a bit more about uh, lineups and stuff like that, but just general thoughts from you. Yeah, so first of all, I think it's awesome that we're talking hockey and we're talking some some play-in qualifiers <laughs> and, and, you know, instead of some of the other weird things going on in the world. Um, you know, I'm again. I, I I believe I'm I'm one of the few. I actually think the Canucks played a good game for two periods, and I think um, after the Tanner Pearson penalty, that's when the game got away from them, and they pretty much just shut it down. They didn't know what to do. The coach wasn't doing, and we're going to talk about that. But I mean, the coach wasn't making the adjustments he needs to make. And um, you know, the Wild, if you could, if you could put a list, a point by point, on their bulletin board. Here's what we have to do tonight, guys they went to that dressing room and they checked every single box off and i'm sure the coach probably bought those guys a huge steak dinner for for executing the plan perfectly because i've never seen a team since the 1998 dallas stars play that perfect of a of a hockey game yeah i i agree with that i mean it seemed like the Canucks just didn't get through that defensive system and it just kind of threw me back to like the dallas stars uh dave tippett uh, that series that uh, Luongo debuted in um, for the Canucks. I mean, they, whenever they got the lead, one nothing, they would win. They would, you know, shut it down and win the game. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you guys know this. I mean, the, one of the big things was, you know, the Wild are going to need um, otherworldly goaltending, and you know, I've, I've heard other people say this. I said it to, um, you know, to my buddies when we were watching the game last night. Like they're making Stalock look like he's. Uh, a Vesna trophy caliber yeah. goalie. And I mean, and he did make good saves. Like uh, they were, when they pushed the wild were on their heels 
but they couldn't break down and make the wild draw obvious penalties. Like the, the wild should have had three or four penalties, but I wasn't disappointed that they weren't called because it wasn't so blatant that you would go, why can't, why aren't the refs calling this? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Canucks, I don't think even pushed hard enough to get penalties or to draw penalties themselves. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it kind of, I was just watching the game. It didn't seem like that, you know, they got one power play, but it was kind of very I lackluster. Agree. I completely agree. All the shots were to the outside. You look at the heat maps, the wild were getting prime scoring chances. Look at that first goal. Nice high slot shot. Markstrom had no shot on that one. And uh, you look at the Canucks opportunities like that Myers shot, the Pedersen chance there. They were all outside shots. You look at the Sutter rush too in the second period there. That was an outside rush. They didn't get to the front of the net. And when Besser did get to the front of the net, he, excuse me, he scrambled and uh, didn't really get that shot off and kind of flopped away. Well, he got, he got cross-checked. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was the one penalty that they should have called that they didn't yeah. call. Um, and, but you're totally right about the heat map. I mean, it was, but that's what the wild gave them. And so the Canucks were like, how do we break this down? Um, and I think one of the things we should talk about is the fact that if there was any concern or worry about Elias Pettersson and, um, you know, his ability to play in playoff hockey by far, he was their best player last night, like, uh, by a country yeah. mile, he was their best player. And, and the wild were, you know, again, cross-checking, holding them down, pushing them down. And, and I get that that's playoff hockey. But as an official, just because a guy has 20, 30 pounds on you doesn't mean that you should still be allowed to do those things. And I and yeah. that just in general, that is my biggest beef with the NHL is the officiating is so inconsistent because we've seen games where there's like eight, nine penalties called one game, and then you get into a game like this and – and again, I'm not saying that the Canucks deserved any power plays. I, I don't. I think they earned probably one or two. That's it. Having said that, clearly the standard was set last night. It's a battle, and I felt for the most part they battled. They just didn't do exactly as you guys said. They didn't get to the front of the net, and they didn't put the Wild in a position to take and make the officials make that call. Yeah. No, they they didn't push up. I mean, they're saying that they were tough and they had more hits than the Wild, but I, I didn't really feel that they were the more physical team in that game. Well, Furland probably had more hits than the Wild, but besides yeah. that, I don't really know. <laughs> oh, no way. No, no, sorry. I totally disagree. Furland was oh, yeah? a ghost. Oh, Furland was an absolute ghost. He had a fight and he had a poke check to a guy in, in the stomach when he held his stick on the bench. <laughs> other than that, other than that, Furland was like flybys. He was like, basically in his p30 p38 mustang just doing flybys he he, he wouldn't he, he was brought in to be that type of disturber to hit guys in the boards and honestly tell me honestly what hit of his made you go oh wow i'm so glad Ferland's in the lineup seriously uh, that hit to the face of Felino. I think that was a pretty good contact. But, I know yeah. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time i i think he tried i i agree the Canucks were rather lifeless last night. I think yeah. Carlos actually tried. I disagree with you there. I think okay, he tried. Fair and I think after that, that first go, I, I just don't think there was any backup, any support. Besides Roussel. Roussel was getting into it, which was funny to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of all the stuff the Canucks are saying, you know, they're bottom six as, you know, they're veterans. And, you know, Travis Green, we all know Travis Green loves his veteran players. <laughs> I mean – Having Brandon Sutter, I mean, as much as Brandon Sutter, he he did have some chances, but I find that fourth line is just they're so you think that they'd be good defensively in the, but I don't know. I I find that I'd rather have like Zach McEwen on that fourth line. That Sutter role player experiment, I I don't think it worked. I kind of agree with you, and I think McEwen would have been very interesting to see. Or even Jake Vertanen. I'm, I know we're going to get on to that <laughs> later, so I'm not going to stir that pot just yet. But I think uh, McEwen definitely on that fourth line in place of Sutter is probably a good call or Beagle. You can move them around, and I know all three of them can play centered to some degree. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. And, in fact, just because a guy has two scoring chances – 
I always look at Phil Kessel. The only reason Phil Kessel is in the league is because he can score goals. He's terrible defensively and he causes a lot of goals against, but he scores big time goals. And that's what allows him to be as a, an effective player. And again, Phil Kessel scored yesterday for the, <laughs> for the Arizona Coyotes, right? Brandon yeah. Sutter does not have that scoring pedigree. And what's worse. And again, I'm not, listen, these guys are playing in the NHL. I, I'm not criticizing them and saying that I, I, I could do what they do. I mean, these are the best right. people in the world that play this game. You can make the observation though. And it's a reasonable, um, it is a very reasonable conclusion to say that the game is passed Brandon Sutter by he's slow on the back check. He doesn't check very hard. And the only time he's effective is when he's positionally sound on a penalty kill. That's actually not very good in all honesty. That's, that's actually something that, you know, going to your point, Matt, about um, green loving his veterans. Hey man, I, you know, I love veterans too, but, but it's going to cost him this series unless he, unless he can make adjustments. And to be honest right now, I don't have faith in this series that Travis Green will do that. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, basically he was again, and we're we're kind of getting used to this with Canucks coaches is getting out coached. Um, yep. I mean, you know, you look back at how much how good Alain Vigneault was for the Canucks. He was out coached a lot. He outcoached himself a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he did it when he was with the Rangers, he outcoached himself. They get to the final versus L.A., and they have one of the best power plays going into the final because of Rick Nash. And what does he do in the Stanley Cup final? He puts Rick Nash on the second power play. Like, that's <laughs> absolutely insane. And you're right. Last night, Travis Green, every single time, year in, year out, he – he swaps lines so much. You have no idea what line players are playing on by the middle of the second period. There was none of that last night. It was just through hell or high water. These are the lines and this is going to work. And Pearson looked lost to Foley looked lost. And if those guys look lost, then it's going to be very hard for Pedersen, Miller, Besser and Horvat to carry those lines. And, you know, we've all been saying it. But I have to say it because it's really important. There's a reason Pearson and Toffoli were centered by Jeff Carter, and that line mm-hmm. powered the LA Kings to two Stanley Cups. They, they, they were responsible for winning one of the series against Chicago and winning, you know, in the final versus New Jersey. Like those are really good, or the Rangers. Sorry, it, how a person can't connect those dots and put that together. And it's, again, it's not a criticism. It's, it's, I don't understand because again, I mean, Travis Green's coaching the NHL. I just don't want people to think I'm being an an a-hole to the guy. I I think we're going to see a lot of change coming up. That's a good segue um, into lineups and what type of changes we could see or we should see uh, tomorrow. I mean, let's start with the top six. What do you, do you think Travis Green will actually change his top six or tomorrow <laughs> uh, i would like to see uh i agree Tafoli was nowhere last night not even close his passes especially you saw connects twitter uh get on him about that and i i actually agree with him for once it was just he was nowhere he was not playing well he was not creating space and i think that line was just really dead and i didn't even think about it until you mentioned it there dan okay. but that Tafoli and uh pearson experiment that'd be interesting to see did they do that during the regular season at all no, that's just it. They never, he never did that. And they're so high into Foley. This is where all this Besser trade talk came yeah. from. And, and, and it's ridiculous. No offense, but it's absolutely ridiculous that Travis Green won't even consider it. It's like it never happened in his world. It's like he's gaslighting everyone or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that Besser and Peterson uh, chemistry, when it's hot, it's hot. But that's the thing, though. When it's not, they, they go on large skids. You can't really have afford to have a skid in a five round or five game series or less than five games as it's looking right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think I, I still think it's going to go the distance personally. Um, yep. But again, you know, we're in agreement because, it, and I think this is actually really important to kind of put context into this conversation. I mean, everybody can see it. The sky is blue. Everybody can look at the sky and go, the sky is blue. In this case, Pedersen and Besser are better together than apart. If you want yeah. to move JT Miller off that line and maybe you want to move someone else up, up on the first line with Besser or Pedersen, fine. But, 
but Miller, Besser, Pedersen is a proven line that powered the Canucks. And for some reason, because of the injury to Besser and then to Foley having some limited success with that line, that's it. That's our new top line. That is absolutely deplorable line deployment. And Travis Green is an amazing X's and O's coach. His execution on how to play the game and where players should be and how they should do things, he's amazing at that. He is probably one of the worst line deployment coaches <laughs> I've ever seen in my life, honestly, because Gaudet, and, and again, Gaudet Vertanen play this season. Gaudet, or Vertanen gets 18 goals. Gaudet's having a reasonably good season. I think he had 12 goals, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah. you know, he's have, they're, they're having a really good year. And you put, no offense, you put two plugs like Ferland and Roussel with Gaudet, who plays <laughs> a skilled game, right? Well, of course he's going to look bad. And, oh, well, you know, now we have to take Gaudet out. Maybe you don't take Gaudet out. Maybe you put him in a position to succeed. succeed. And I think that's where, you know, round circle to your comment, Matt, about how, you know, the Canucks are being outcoached. This is a perfect example of this. Stop overthinking this. Yeah. right just just put players in positions to succeed and they will because right now the minnesota wild have you pegged and if you continue to go down this road yeah it's a three-game series mm -hmm. i mean the thing is is like yesterday we saw roussel get elevated to the top to the top line with pedersen and I, I find green always goes to that first he always says oh we're gonna throw up all of a sudden tyler mott's in the top line I mean, how about throw some more skill guys up there with them? Like, I don't know. I, I find it's hard. It's hard to know. do that when you bench. It's hard to do that when you bench them all for your bottom, yeah, well, bottom six to you know forwards. <laughs> that's I mean, that's true. that's that's the problem. Because I, I agree with you about Zach McEwen. I think Zach McEwen is tailor made for this. A line of Gaudet, McEwen, and Bertanen probably would cause the Wild a lot of problems because of not just speed but size, right? And then you go, you go Roussel, Beagle, Furland on your fourth line, and now you got a line that plays a very specific way, and that's why Gaudet looks so ineffective. Again, Toffoli and Pearson with Horvat play that style of game whereas Pedersen yeah. Besser Miller play a skills I mean this isn't rocket science right <laughs> you know and yeah. and it you know I know it's not NHL 20 it's just it's you know it's it's really important that um everybody can see this literally everyone I've talked to has said the exact same thing and I don't understand I would love for someone to ask Travis Green why he thinks those lines give them the best chance to win because it's caught costing them goals and it's costing them wins. And again, it's two power play goals and an empty net goal, right? It's not like they're five yeah. on five goals, five on five. They played really well. There's chances were kept to the outside, but you know, those are two power play goals. The first one Markstrom had to have, he yeah. literally, he always gives up a soft goal. And that's really scary. If that's coming back now, the soft early soft goal on Markstrom all the time. You know, I think you have to go to Demko if he gives up, if he does that again in the second game and you're down 2-0. And then, um, you know, yeah, like that's, you know, oh, yeah. Anyways, there you go. <laughs> I think you touched on it there a bit too, though. Like you need players that can go up and down the lineup. I think Vertanen is someone that has the goal scoring pedigree. Whether or not he's applied night in and night out, he can score those goals. And I think if you have you need to juggle lines, he's someone that you can throw into the lineup to do that. Well, yeah, it's a great. That's a great point. Sorry to jump in, Matt. I just oh, where do where do Vertanen's goals come from? They come from the very spots the Wild are giving them. Like that's what the Wild are giving them. So as much as oh yeah no um we you know they're keeping them to the outside. Vertanen's an outside scorer. He'll take that every day of the week because he can pick those corners. And I think Pedersen needs to start looking at that. Besser needs to start looking at that. And the guys that can snipe those top corner shots, and because that's what they do all the time, they need to start taking that and force the wild into, into spreading out and opening up the middle of the ice. Well, looking at the box score last night, you got Besser with one shot. Yeah. Uh, Horvat with none. I'm just scrolling through this. Miller got yeah. two. Patterson got two. But you need more offense. You need those people to take those outside shots. I completely yeah. agree with you there. 
Yeah. And again, I think that just comes down to line chemistry. I, I really, yeah. I do. I, the effort was the effort level was there from everybody. Do you know, you know who we haven't talked about yet and we should talk about it. Honestly, the Canucks defense actually played a really good <laughs> game. Like they, you know, everyone was worried about that. They didn't lose because of their defense. No, I have to agree with you. There. I was just about to say about the defense. It's like, I found that the Canucks defense actually played quite well. Yeah. So, I mean, even with like everyone saying, well, Fattenberg, Myers, they're, you know, being, t- I, I still think that they're not the best pairing um, yeah. to be put together. I don't think on So, but I mean, Hughes and Tanev, obviously they're great um, <laughs> together, but I mean, there's always that Edler, Edler Myers, they have their adventures um, together too, but I find as like they're all, and again, Travis Green loves his, seems to always go to Edler and Stetcher. I don't know if they're the best pairing as well, but I mean, I don't know. As a unit, I think they did play quite well. You want to tackle that, Dan? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I just I don't like to dominate conversations, so I apologize because I can. Oh, talk. you're you're on so a that's roll. Why, I, that's why. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and again, like it's it's funny. That, again, these are things that are obvious. Edler Stetcher actually played really well. I thought I know a couple of them got rocked. I know Tanev got rocked, but I don't think it was as physically bad as as what was mentioned. I think the Canucks started hitting and they started taking control of those portions of the games when they started hitting and the defense I felt played really well. I thought Quinn Hughes was extremely tentative. He was trying to figure out playoff hockey, sure. um, you know, and, but having said that Tanev really calmed him down. Uh, and I mean, you know me, Matt, I'm a huge Ole Levy fan. I, I just, yeah. I believe in the kid. I, I, I watched him through London and, and, you know, he has this strong camp. However, um, I'm going to, you know, at the end of the day, Fattenberg played a reasonably good game. He, you know, had a couple of good shots. I thought Tyler Myers was extremely physical and I can remember four hits that Tyler Myers made two in his zone, one at the blue line, and they were good, solid checks. And if he can play, um, in the wall blue line, if he can play that way, the entire series, I do believe the Canucks have a really good chance at, at winning this. Um, that is the, at this moment, that's the least of my concern of the Canucks is that blue line. I thought the blue line played extremely well. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's go going back to the, like you talked about the top six and we talked a little bit about the bottom six, but what do you think? Like everyone seems to be saying, Oh, at the beginning of the series, everyone was worried about where the stuff was going to come from. Oh, we're don't worry about the top six. Top six is fine. It's the bottom six that we're going to have problems with. I feel that, the top six is the thing that we have to talk about more than the bottom six at this point. I completely agree. I just don't think the top six showed up last night. Like when I was reading the shots now and I kind of was uh, skimming through their stats as we were talking here, they just, it, maybe it's a bit to do with how green rotated the lineup and uh, played all four lines. Very, very liberally. I'll call it. But um, I just, I think you need scoring from somewhere and you need scoring from where you expect it. And you expect it from that top six. You expect it from the acquisition. Yeah. acquisition. I mean, I, I had I was really disappointed. Like we were talking about Toffoli. I was really disappointed in how he showed up in the first game. I mean, I thought, you know, having a guy like Toffoli and Pearson, I and mean, Pearson took two of the penalties. Um, a couple I'd say the second one was something that he didn't need to do. I mean, well, it should have been. It should have. There should have been an embellishment call on uh, on Staylock there. Like, right. not yeah. even not even a question. Like, it, okay, if you're gonna call the slash, fair enough. I mean, he slashed him, right? But you got to call an embellishment there. That, yeah, that's ridiculous. Kind of <laughs> oh, I mean, geez, he, he was he was sniped from the top of the top of the uh, scaffolding up at the up on the roof there. It seems in his knee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I, I feel this, the Canucks just didn't generate enough. Like early on, the first, I mean, early on, you admit that, I mean, the Canucks did play a pretty good, you know, physical style. I find the game kind of turned when Furland got into the fight. I mean, I found that the Minnesota Wild seemed to take over the game from that point on. Well, and, and, sorry, so I was just going to say, I mean, how would you not, how would you not expect that? They've, they've been in the playoffs from 2016-17 and 18. They missed the playoffs last year, but this is a group of guys that know how to play in the playoffs. I think they even won one round one year. Like, they know how to play. It's not like these guys are, 
a bunch of guys that don't know how to play. But when you're relying on, and, and then now the Canucks aren't young, but that goes to your point about Pearson, Toffoli, Beagle, even Horvat's been in the playoffs. Like these guys have to step up and actually lead the team. Even Myers. I mean, they got to a Western Conference final with Winnipeg. Those guys need to really be the leaders that Minnesota was. Yeah. I mean, everyone's saying, about, you know, at the beginning of, before the series saying about, oh, the Canucks inexperience in the playoffs. You know what? A lot, we have a lot of – Canucks have a lot of experience in the playoffs. They do. And you can't be saying, oh, that's always the excuse. Oh, the Canucks don't have enough experience in the playoffs. That's why they're not doing well. Well, it was the article I did a, a while of, back. It was over – well, well over 100 games of playoff experience through the yeah. team. And yeah, it was, and it, you go for it. I was saying that's a great article, and you're 100% right. And that, that to me is probably the most disappointing thing about this is that those guys didn't do their jobs to help put people in positions to succeed. Well, they couldn't put the basics together. Like, they struggled with the breakout first penalty that led to the goal. Yeah, they'd make, they'd make the pass, and someone couldn't take the pass. Or, and, by the way, the Wild, I mean, we got to – first of all, and this is important – Let's give the wild credit. Oh, I mean, man. holy smokes, how many times did they get sticks into where the puck was, deflecting passes, deflecting shot? And by the way, I, I swear I'm going to start calling the Minnesota Wild the Minnesota Globetrotters because <laughs> how many alley how many alley oops did they have <laughs> last night? I mean, I mean, you would you would have passed out if you were playing a shot game on how many alley oop uh, out of the zones the Minnesota Wild did. I mean, it, it had to be at least twenty or thirty. It, it was yeah. it was unbelievable. That's their game plan. They're not allowing the Canucks to establish their game in their zone. There, as soon as they get it, alley oop out, alley oop out, alley oop yeah. out. And the Canucks have to figure out how to transition and change that um, that game. I mean, the thing is, is and I, again, it seems like we're having a broken record here about having how the Canucks they don't seem to establish their game very often they're always dictated that maybe it's the coaching we always have is that they don't seem to be able to dictate their own game it's always the other team taking over it yeah and that's uh, a real credit to the wild honestly they're one of the best shutdown teams in the league they just completely stopped any form of momentum the canucks had like it was streaky at best for them and their opportunities all came from the outside. We already beat that to death with the heat map, which I always love to reference, but it's just, there was no uh, consistency. They didn't let them get consistent and establish a style of play. You're completely right on that one, but they're so good with their shutdown game. It was just, they weren't allowing them to build plays to get out of their own zone. Turnovers and penalties in their own zone were crazy. The passes up the middle of the ice. Everyone's done Timbataki here, the equivalent, right? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you don't pass it up the middle of the ice in your own zone. And there were so many turnovers that were caused from that. And it's just they couldn't break out. They kept trying to alley-oop passes and weren't nearly excuse me, successful as the Wild were. And they just couldn't establish a rhythm. Even the top guy, even Patterson, looked frustrated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think your comment about the Canucks speed game is is probably, to be honest, the number one reason they lost the game is the Wild prevented them from playing that game. And the whole point of predicated on speed, and I'm not trying to go back to this because, because of the year, but in 2011, that's why the Canucks drew so many penalties. That's why the Canucks this season have drawn the most penalties in the regular season. They've drawn, they drew more penalties than everyone because their speed caused teams to take those. So, use your speed and cause them to take penalties, make them interfere with you to force the official to say like, you guys can't keep doing this. That's it. We're done. You're going to get penalties and force them into a parade in the box, which now forces them to play a faster skating game, which we know the wild are not a great game team at playing that game. When the Canucks have gotten them out of that, that's when they won those games this year. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, they were trying to play the Wilds game. You look at Pedersen's reverse check where he was closing on, on the puck and they stick his hip out to try to get the Wild defender off him. They, they were trying to play on the wall. They were trying to play that gritty game, and it just wasn't working. Hughes, I thought Hughes, we talked about him a bit earlier. Uh, after he settled into the game, his skating was good. Uh, when they had open ice on the four-on-fours, I think he was all right. Maybe his passes were a bit rushed. 
and that will come with experience. And I think there was a lot of nerves in that game one. But uh, it's just they were not able to break out of that wild style of game, the game the wild wanted them to play. It's a bingo. And like, holy smokes, man, like the mayor of Wrightville, as, we, as we've heard, like, <laughs> like and, and, and again, to me, it comes down to chemistry and line chemistry and players that, that work well together. And no offense, but four and four, Miller and Pedersen have no chemistry. Every time yeah. I have seen them this year, they just don't click. So stop trying to force that because, well, Miller's got all these points. You know why Miller has all those points? Is that Miller plays a game where he gets himself in the slot. And instead, yesterday, he just didn't play that style. I mean, how many great – and no offense. How many great passes did Pedersen make either to the point or into the slot that there was just no connect there for? Like, that's where they should have been. And he yeah. knew that's where they should have been. And it just wasn't there. Like there were four of them that I counted. I counted four just like they were, if a Canuck was there, you're going to get a goal. And but they the just counter argument to that is Pedersen wasn't able to skate and create that space. If you get the wild moving, the wild defense moving, then those passes become more open. You did a great job. <laughs> you know what? This is a great, this is a great conversation to have. So one of the things I did prior to the playoffs is I watched Pedersen's game when he played in the playoffs and won the MVP in the uh, Swedish Hockey League, okay? This was the game he played there. The, these exact things that we're seeing now was the game he played there that was successful. And I don't think it's because of the larger ice. I think it's because the players knew that they could get in positions for those passes because that's where he allows – the way he, his hockey IQ is so high. In all honesty – it's probably the best hockey IQ in the league legitimately. Mm. I don't think there's a player that thinks the game better than he does. And, and I think that's why Brock Besser plays so well with him is Brock has a high IQ and Quinn Hughes has a high IQ. So here you are in a four on four and you need to get something going and the game is tied at one and you're not putting Brock Besser out with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. I mean, oh, that's I the other thing. What, how, how often was Quinn Hughes out with that top line? He was out with the fourth line and the third line, Quinn <laughs> Hughes. So that's great. But, you know, unless Gaudet's playing with skilled players, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. He needs to play, he needs to play with the skilled players the way – that think the game the way he does. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's fun – it's it's funny people kind of look at nhl and 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 i love playing against people online because they make lines but you know why they make that but they make their lines based on chemistry and and that is why it works so well that's why in football for example there are certain teams where just all the players on an offensive line it isn't just the skill they gel really well and they know where they're going and they know where they have to be it's the exact same thing in hockey. It's why the Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cups. It's why um, last year the, the, the St. Louis Blues, they knew where they were going to be on the ice and put themselves in those positions. And, yeah, they created turnovers a lot of times for sure, but that's what the Canucks were not doing yesterday. They were not – they just had no clue where they were supposed to be on the ice. So, like, to me, that's the biggest thing I took away from the game. Well, you talk yeah. about football, and football is a game of systems. And it kind yeah. of, it's all going back to the lines and the chemistry and all that kind of stuff. And the old line's clicking, it's because they know their system very well. The Canucks yeah. did not know their system last night. They didn't, yeah. know, oh. they didn't oh. know how to <laughs> They didn't know how to break the tackle. I don't know. My American football knowledge is No, 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 no. You nailed it. You absolutely, <laughs> yeah. like 100% nailed it. There's a reason Bill Belichick, whether he's a cheater or not, there's a reason he's the best, but there's a reason he's the best coach in football history is he takes if you want to call them plugs, he takes these plugs and he puts them in positions to succeed because he knows their strengths and their weaknesses. Yeah. And I, again, it's just in a criticism. Like I don't want Travis green fired. I want to make that very clear. No. He's their coach. I love him. I think again, like I said, execution game plan. He's amazing, but he's an absolutely horrible a line um, deployment coach. He he has no feel for what players work well together. He just kind of, well, these are my top guys, so they all have to figure it out, and, and they'll figure it out. Your job as a coach is to make sure that they're executing your plan. And if they're not doing that, 
Travis, go back to, to putting, you know, swapping up your lines. Because what if he had done that? What if halfway through the second, he decides, okay, we need to get something going. He puts Besser and Pedersen on a line. And all of a sudden, it forces the Wild to make adjustments, right? Because they're not planned for that. But now they have to make adjustments. And you put Toffoli with Pearson, and now they have to make adjustments. And you're getting them off of their game. By keeping your lines the way they did, all they did was just, you know, again, it's like the trench warfare and you're just, you're just, your guys are so trenched in now for the wild. There's no way you're going to, you're going to beat them. You have to got to draw them out of that and you yeah. have to make, force them to not play their game. And those types of lineup changes that will help to do that. Yeah. And scoring first would help too. <laughs> well, just, you know, I mean, you know, I got it. I, I think that's the thing. I remember when they went through the, remember they went through this stretch this year where that happened, where all of a sudden it just seemed like they, they couldn't buy a goal and they were playing hard and they were getting chances, but they couldn't buy a goal. I believe it was through that November, November stretch where they were, they were leading the division and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they just stopped. They just weren't able to score and, and they go through those stretches and, and, you know, I'm not worried about their ability to score. I'm really not. My, to me, it comes down to coaching and it comes down to execution. And, you know, you have to have that feel for the game. Yeah, so Travis Green, he seems to change his line basically just, oh, let's just shake things up. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's much thinking to it, like actual, oh, you know, this guy has to go here because it'll actually change the game. The NHL 20 uh, BGM mode. <laughs> yes, but where you get the red chemistry on the lines just because players don't have this have a similar enough or compatible enough playing style with one another. I completely agree. It's just he's trying to find something that works and he doesn't really know what that is. And he's putting <laughs> players together and he's putting depth players up into elevated positions. And that's part of the lineup selection too. I might beat this to death, but I think Jake Bertanen is one of the few players that can go up and down the lineup when he's hot. Do you know what's really – this is a great – let's look back at the 2009 Chicago Blackhawks. And when they eliminated the Canucks and they got to the conference final and they were swept by Detroit 4-0, right? They didn't put players together based on, well, we need playoff experience. Quenville absolutely put players with players to help them succeed. Travis Green is going to have to – because, again, this is his first NHL playoff experience as well. Yeah. This is all part of the learning process. Like, let's, let's, like, this is how I feel. The Canucks are playing with house money right now. Most people didn't think they make the playoffs. I felt they were going to make the playoffs, but they were out in the first round. That's what I felt. It's, it's a huge learning curve. They got to figure some things out. Right now, that's what we're seeing. Now, hopefully they can make that change because I think they have the pieces in place to do that. But this is Travis Green's time to figure out where he has his job is to put players in positions to succeed to take that in another direction they are playing with house money here and this is an opportunity like they still have their first round pick correct me if i'm wrong here if they lose the series right correct yeah. correct yep so they are playing with house money and this is a very low risk scenario i think yep. it is the opportunity to experiment and i definitely don't think even if they get swept i think they should keep green I think that this is the playoff experience because it's not really the playoffs, it's the play-ins. You can get into that whole argument. But um, I, I think this the elimination format, the playing against the team multiple times in a row and just sort of learning how to match up and how to play those lines and how to get chemistry with your top guys, I think that's very valuable. And I don't know if that's something you can replicate in the regular season, in the preseason, in the one exhibition game before the playoffs. I just don't think you can replicate that. So I think this gives a great risk-free opportunity. And you still have that lottery pick there. Like, I know it's 12.5%, but yeah. those come in the talk about. And the fact that it's just low risk, you get your pick. If you lose, if not, you get more experience. And I don't think anybody would be mad to be in the actual playoffs. So I just, I just, I'm hopeful to get and use this opportunity to grow and mature. They are, I, yeah, and I think I, I think every Canucks fan feels the way you do too. Like I do. Like I I don't see any Canucks fan sitting here um, thinking that this isn't going to be valuable for them. I, I'd like to see them go on on a bit of a at least get to the next round because those are invaluable tools that will help you 
get to the next level. I, I still believe they will, honestly. Like, I still, I, I still believe that they're going to – I don't know why, but I believe they're actually going to win this series. I think they're going to be able to make the adjustments. Um, but I do really want to talk about the third and fourth line if we can. I, I like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's right now, right now, that is and, – and it's not even – this isn't even about Jake Bertanen at this point. <laughs> well, there's so many options with those lines, like with Berlin coming back and all that. And you have trades and additions meant to supplement the lineup to replace a lot of these players that were going to be injured for the playoffs. Like Berlin would have been a doubt in the playoffs, but I, I don't think he'll get kicked out of the lineup now. Whether or not he should, I'll, I'll leave that there. But whether or not he should, that's a different arguing but I think he'll be in the lineup and you have those acquisitions you have the Tifoli you have the GT Miller from last offseason and you put you push players down the lineup and you have the up-and-comers too the Yolevi who's maybe a bit too far on the outside for this for this year they also have McEwen who I think I was I was really skeptical of McEwen I didn't like his early uh regular season play with us either do you, do you know how old do you know how old McEwen is no clue he's 25 Jeez. Yeah. He's not young. He has been developing for a long time. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm going to look it up. But I'm, I'm positive that he's 25. And that's why I'm saying, like, the, um, it is um, inconceivable for, for, for me to think that this is the, the same lineup that he's going to go into. Yeah, he's born in 96. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 24. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like this is a young kid coming in and playing. This is a full grown man who has shown at the NHL level, he can play at this level. And again, you know, we, we've talked about this, Matt, when we met at the game, we talked about how it's becoming a young man's game and it's yeah. the young men that can take over series and push this, this is why I think the Canucks are going to win this series. They still have enough young guys. Where's the wild, the core of their players, are like they are much older and they are they are like you know 28 29 30 which is great i mean that's that's you know you're in your prime too but you can make this series difficult by pushing that pace and making them tired and and um to me zach McEwen, jake Vertanen were made for this series tyler mott's a great player tyler mott's a great player um and i don't disagree like i i like furlan i think Brandon Sutter, the game has clearly, clearly passed him by. I know he had two great chances, but his back checking is deplorable. And he waves at everybody who goes by him. If I thought Ferlin kind of passed by guys, um, Brandon, Brandon Sutter is, is using his stick as, as a flag to, to wave surrender in his own defensive zone. You know, it's no, seriously, like it's, no, it's, it's, it's really bad. And, and I don't care how many good scoring chances you get. So, Put move Fer- Ferlin and Russell back with Beagle because they play that type of a game. Because yeah. I actually th- – I didn't think Beagle played a bad game. I know people are being hard on him. And, again, I watched – because I got NHL. So, I watched the game again. Beagle had a good game. He didn't yeah. play poorly. But very clearly, Russell and Ferlin do not play the same game that Gaudet does. But Gaudet gives you God- – here's what Gaudet, McEwen, and Vertanen give you if you put them in the lineup. They give you a line that will force the wild to back off and defend because they can break out and they can create scoring chances and that line can score goals. Yes. I, I find, and I, when McEwen had such a good training camp, I'm like, oh yeah, he'll be in the lineup the way he played and now he's not. And I feel like, like you said, I feel he does actually have, he has a chance to change a series. Um, McEwen and Vertanen, as much as we say, oh, you know, he doesn't deserve to be in the lineup, but I think he didn't deserve to play game one. But he does, des- he does need to be in this lineup for the to make a difference. I still he, think he's, he's that difference maker that the Canucks need. Hundred percent. He's a part of the core of the team. You're you're taking massive amounts of chemistry out of your lineup. And th- again, this goes right back. Is this a full circle comment of? <laughs> of this is how your team is constructed, right? I mean, could you imagine if, if, and I like to use this because I just think this is really important. Can you imagine if Glenn Saylor coached the Edmonton Oilers at, like the Philadelphia Flyers 
Wayne, you're not <laughs> fighting and hitting out there. You're benched. If you don't go out there and fight and hit, you're not going to play. Yari Curry, what, what the heck is with those passes and those goals? You should be fighting and, 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 and hitting people, so I'm going to bench you. Like, that's <laughs> not who the Canucks are. They aren't the team that, that we saw last night. They, they aren't that team. But like no. you guys, like you and, and you guys aptly, like a hundred percent pointed it out. The wild forced them into playing that game, and it just the, the, they they were getting. You could tell by the end, middle of the third, the game was over. They were frustrated. They were done. And I I, I hearken back to again when Chicago Blackhawks were beating the Canucks year in year out in the playoffs. The Canucks tried to play a physical, gritty game against that team. They are not built that way, and they're still not built that way to play that type of style, yet they still try to do it. Yet they did it in 2011 with the same team. Yeah. Right? They played a physical game, and they out-hit the Hawks. I just think that it has to be smart hits, and you have to be physical yeah. at the right moments, and, and that's what I'm talking about when I say Furland was a ghost. There were moments where he had opportunities. There were multiple chances where the Canucks had opportunities to really freaking hammer <laughs> some of the wild, and they just didn't do it. Like, like, well, what? Like, you can't play. Here's here's what I saw last night. If I could just, if I could sum up the the game last night, the Canucks were playing not to lose. And mm. if you're playing not to lose, guess what? You're gonna lose. Gonna lose. You yeah. have got to play to win. And the only person who showed up to play to win last night was um, was Elias Pettersson. And and to be honest, the Canucks defense. I, I just I honest man, that that D. If anyone was worried about the Canucks defense, last night's game should ease your mind on that. I I find like I said I said before, it's like I, I don't think, and you said it too is. You know, I don't think the defense the defense was not the reason the Canucks lost that game. The goaltending was not the reason the Canucks lost that game. It was the fact that the Canucks just couldn't generate anything. And I don't think they generated much at all. I'm going to play devil's advocate here with the defense because I think the defense were great at being offense. But I don't think – we're talking about those players that can hit and that can provide that grit when needed. You have those players on the back end. You have the ten of the Myers, the big body guys, the Edler too. Those guys can provide hits, especially when the wide's coming in and coming into the inside scoring lanes. I think that although they play well defensively, I think that if you want to change the momentum of the game, you need those hits from those four guys. You need those hard hits. You need to scare them away from the middle of the ice because the Wild weren't afraid to cut to the middle. That's all they did. And well, well, that's where I think they were burned. I totally agree. And in fact, how is it that when you have last change, the Minnesota Wild are able to always get the line they want out against <laughs> Elias Pettersson out on the ice? I mean, you're, you're, you have last change. You can dictate who goes out and who doesn't go out on the ice. Now they've got home ice for game two. The Wild do. So you know that Pettersson's going to see a healthy dose of Dumba and, yeah. and whoever else they, they throw out there. But, but you're totally you're totally right. And I will say this, though, a couple of things. One, I, again, if you watch the game again, if anyone gets a chance, if you're going to listen to this, watch the game again. The Canucks didn't play a bad hockey game until the Tanner Pearson penalty. After yeah. that, they just shut it down, number one. Number two, I'll, you're, I will give you total kudos on the defense in that, once again, Alex Edler – takes a stupid penalty and it costs them and it was a penalty, a penalty. like the, yeah yeah like like every like he it takes minimally two bad penalties a game and yeah. and and it's just you know one of the things i think we can aptly say that's reasonable is the mobility of some of the back end players because again myers had a great game watch it you, you'll be shocked at how well he played yeah. last night he actually played a good game um but that third and fourth line couldn't help the defense and they couldn't help them transition out of their zone. And when the Canucks were getting momentum and started generating chances, those lines would come out and they'd lose that. Roussel had a good game, actually. Roussel hit quite a bit and, and did, did some good things. I, I felt Roussel played a reasonable game, but um, yeah, like you're totally bang on about the defense and the defense you know, they should be hitting. They should be making the wild players swivel their heads 
and be scared and force them into making mistakes. And even the Canucks forward. So this goes to what we're talking about. And this is why I'm saying you got Furland, you got Pearson, you got Toffoli. There's not small boys, Bo Horvat, even JT Miller. They're not small. Hit these guys. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hit them. Like make them scared to rush that puck. It doesn't matter. Hit them. Fly in. Smack and crack the boards. Even if you miss them, let them know. This is not going to be an easy game. I think they'll make these adjustments. I really believe they will because if we can see it, these guys are pros. They've been doing this in their entire lives. I just personally have no faith that Travis Green will make those adjustments. I just There's something about him and his lines that I just – it's like he'll die on that hill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I found that about him. He doesn't seem to want to change too much. He loves his duos, for one. He doesn't seem to want to break his duos up. And it seems like it's JT Miller, Elias Pettersson. He doesn't change those two. Um, Horvat and Pearson. Uh, Godet, I don't know if he has – maybe it's Godet and Roussel and Beagle and Mock. He yeah. rarely goes away yeah. from that. Yeah, that's a great, great comment. And and I think Miller's success doesn't come because he plays with Pedersen as chemistry. I think Miller's success came because Pedersen and Besser have this chemistry, so teams focus in on those two, and that leaves JT Miller, which he should be, open to get those snipes and make those plays yeah. and score those goals. And that's why I'm saying put to Foley with Pearson and, and Horvat. Because let that be your checking line that can still potentially score goals and force the Wild into not, you know, they wouldn't be hemmed in. I just, again, they just looked so lost last night. That's the thing with Besser, though. He demands that respect. Even if he's not playing well, if if he's in that high slot, he's going to get closed down. He's going to create that space for Miller. He's going to create that space. Hopefully for Pearson, if they don't. And his ho- Bingo. And his hockey IQ is so high that he knows where to put the puck to allow players like Miller or Pedersen go and chase it. That was why that line struggled. Toffoli doesn't do that. That's not the type of goal scorer Toffoli is. It's amazing how when he played with Horvat, by the way, in that Montreal game, and I know it was three on three in overtime. However, the fact remains Toffoli and Horvat seemed to play pretty good together whenever they were on the same line because they play the North South game. Yeah. Pedersen doesn't play North South. Pedersen is kind of like all he's a Rover and he looks for players and that's where Besser is at his best Toffoli, Pearson, Horvat or North South, you know, straight at you, you know, those types of players. And, 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 and it just, again, just, you've got these odd pieces that, aren't fitting, aren't meshing, they don't work. And so you've got a puzzle, you know how it's supposed to look, but it's like you're trying to say, no, this piece goes here and I don't care what it is. And you start mashing it in because you just believe it has to go in there. And the thing is, with, I, I mean, we've debated in the past of, that Horvat never gets a quality winger on his line that plays well with him. Now we have one and Green doesn't want to play with him with him. <laughs> Thank like, you. Well, oh, no, no, this is great because here it is. Because here's what Travis Green will say. No, I got this right. Travis will say, "Well, you know, uh, when Besser had his uh, rookie year, he played with Horvat. He was great." <laughs> to which I'll say, "Yeah, but do you know who their third line? You know who the third wing? Remember the winger on that line? You know who the winger on that line was? It was Sven Berti. And yeah. Sven Berti is a skilled hockey player. And so Sven is able to get into spaces to create opportunities which opened up the ice for Besser and teams didn't know how to handle that. I mean, yeah. again, I, I love this saying. It's not rocket science, man. <laughs> like, like, you know, you, you, you can't sit there and, you know, forwards aren't defensemen, right? You, you know, like Quinn Hughes is going to get his time on the ice and everything and he's going to play his position. Forwards, on the other hand, Everything depends on chemistry. And if the chemistry isn't there, it doesn't matter how good a player you have, it doesn't work. And I, again, I, I use Phil Kessel. The guy has two Stanley Cups. You can hate him all you want. Yeah. But with Hornquist and Benino, the HBK line was producing at a first-line level. That's yeah. what you need. And Travis Green needs to reanalyze this and look at this and go, okay, is this second, a third line better with Sutter who struggle? I, I trust Sutter, but man, he struggles at the game and he struggles to come back and check. And do I trust that Furlan and Russell will do that? 
or do I put in Jake and Zach that I know can skate and I know yeah. it puts Godet in a better situation and is my team better with Vertanen and McEwen as a third line or is it better with plugs on the bottom pairing where we got killed in the first game? Yeah. I, I find that Godet is a key player in this series, but he has to be put with the right guys to be able to be a, a difference maker. And having Ferlin and Roussel, he doesn't play that style. And Bingo. I think he was he I didn't really notice Godet at all yesterday. I mean well, how how could you? How, how, I mean, how could not... you notice him? He's, <laughs> he he couldn't get the he couldn't get the puck. And when he did get the puck, there was nobody passed to. There was nobody in a sit position where his high hockey IQ goes to. Yeah. Well you look at preseason where he played with McEwen, um, and again in training camp, they mesh really well together. And you know, he, so, he meshed all se- he meshed all season with Jake Vertanen. That's right too. <laughs> Played with them too. It's like it's, yeah, it's not rocket science. That I mean, on paper it looks good. It also looks good in a game because we've seen it. I mean, that's it. My gosh, you, you know, you nailed it. You literally, literally nailed it. I mean, we're we're beating a dead horse at this point, which is a good thing because because th- this is, I think, what we're trying to say. At least I am. The Canucks have a legitimate chance to win this. In fact, I see them winning. I think they can win uh, three straight. I, like, like, honestly, honestly yeah. do. I really believe they can do that. But they're not going to do it if Travis Green is not going to put players in positions to succeed. I think they need to score a goal. Excuse me, score a goal first. Though. <laughs> yeah, I, think I think they can win three straight. Three I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You know what? They they they're the fourth highest scoring team in the league. They can score goals. I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about that. You can't score goals if you don't put players in positions to succeed, right? That's like telling Quinn Hughes, look, I know you're this dynamic skater and you do all these great things, but I don't want you to play that way. Just play in your zone. I just want you to play defense in your zone and don't take any offensive chances. Well, oh, what I do you think? I'm as ha- optimistic as you. I really do. I really do. But it it's, it's goes back to the system. It goes back to the O-line. If the O-line's scrambling and leaving gaps, you're going to get sacked. And that's just sort of what's happening. And that's the situation we're in right now. There's no chemistry. But and- that's – you're right, and that's what I'm saying. Put people in positions to succeed. Yeah. There you that's go. A good, yeah, that's a good uh, good thing. I mean, um, just to, to wrap up the conversation, I'd love to talk two, three hours. <laughs> 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 we can leave that for the next episode. Uh, because we'll have plenty more to talk about after game two, that's for sure. And you guys join me for that, for sure. Um, I mean, to wrap up, how let's get two keys from each of you on two keys that the Canucks need to look at for the next game, two keys to victory. Let's start, let's start with you, Dan. Uh, they need to draw penalties to get the Wild out of their system the wild were able to stay in that system the entire game they never had to break it they weren't killing penalties you know killing getting a penalty with four minutes left in the game that's that's like by that point you're so settled in it's not gonna make a difference draw penalties number one and number two is completely on the coach he needs to put players in positions to succeed he needs to swallow his pride and he needs to trust these players to do their job. The reason he went with this lineup was this is the lineup he trusts, but it's not the lineup that's going to win. He needs to put players in positions to win. And the third one, honestly, they need Markstrom to stand on his head. And I mean, like, Markstrom cannot let in a soft goal. And in my personal opinion, the second goal was even a soft goal because it was positionally bad. I mean, he had his leg up in the air. I mean, he's a butterfly goalie. Why is his leg up in the air? You know, it, it makes no sense to me. That's the whole reason you butterfly. So those would be my three, my three keys. All right. Okay. Um, I'll change it up here. I think first <laughs> and foremost, this is going to be the, the key of all keys, the master key. They need to play their own style. If they're not playing their style, they're not using their speed, they're not using their youth and energy. Energy, energy, energy is, I think, the key word here because if they don't use that and play against the Parise and the Suter who are well on the wrong side of 30, then if you don't do that, you're not going to create the opportunities, you're not going to score, and you're not going to have the momentum, which is my second key here. They need momentum. They need that first goal. They need Markstrom to not let in that soft one, and they really just need to kind of get going early. I think that's my second key here. And third key is just play that shutdown game. Hit. 
keep the Minnesota Wild to the outside. As much as the Vancouver Canucks should be going to the inside, the Wild needs to be kept to the outside because their goals were from the high slot and their prime scoring opportunities were all from the middle. You got to not let that happen if you want to win a game, let alone a series. And I think those are the three things they need to do from my end. Yeah, I mean, I echo a couple from, from you guys. Is Biggest thing the Canucks need to do in, in game two is to score first. They got to dictate play, and to dictate play, you gotta you gotta have the lead, especially against a team like the Wild. Um, you can't be chasing a game, and the Canucks chase the game way too much. I mean, all season long, it's probably really low on goal score on scoring first. They trail more often than not, and it goes back to Willie Desjardins as well with that. Um, is is not scoring first. Now I understand why it's so hard to score first, but that's a whole nother conversation. You're giving me PTSD. Uh, <laughs> You're giving me PTSD with Willie Desjardins right now. <laughs> oh, and second key, Markstrom. Markstrom has to be Markstrom from the regular season. No, no soft goals and acrobatics. Whatever. Like he's got to be the same Markstrom from the regular season, and that's second key. Third key, Green has got to change his lineup. He can't go with the same four lines. And, I mean, the D pairings were fine. Uh, four lines need to stay, need to change. I mean, especially the, the players coming in. Um, at least bring in McEwen. At least bring in one of McEwen or Rickhannon, if not both. Um, yeah, those are my three keys. I think if they can follow all six keys that we just mentioned, uh, or nine keys, I can count, yeah. apparently not. <laughs> nine keys you just mentioned i i think they have a really good chance of winning uh tomorrow definitely or they be today when you guys listen to this <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> except for it's a late start eh? 745 745 it's the weirdest. Oh, oh that God. should that should help the canucks like the wild that's two hours like that's 945 minnesota time wow yeah it should it should help them yeah, we'll see. Should. Should and could. That's the theme of this podcast, honestly. Yeah. Woulda, yeah. coulda, shoulda. There you go. Hey, that's the episode title. There you go. Got it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, it was great talking to you guys. But I mean, I, I'd love to actually have both of you on all the time if schedules uh, work out. I'd love to. I'm happy to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I'm happy to. I yeah, like you guys are. I love talking not only Canucks. I love talking hockey. Period. I mean, I'm I'm happy to talk about any other team in that too. I'm a I'm a big hockey nut. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I I've got my own little things on the side in that that I'm sure you know some of my uh, my workmates and and business partners and that go. Why is he posting all this hockey stuff on his Twitter? But but that's 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 my love, right? I mean, you guys saw my. You guys have seen my uh, my uh, my avatar there, which is a banner. I mean, everybody's got the Stanley Cup championships, and the Canucks have established in 1970. So you know, like <laughs> you know, it's about time to change that. It's it's time it's time for this to change. Yeah, agreed. So uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'm definitely going to be hearing more of all three of us, and we'll bring on some other guests as we go on. Um, and yeah, the, so tomorrow the Canucks play at seven, like I said, seven forty-five start. So uh, it's gonna be a bit late staying up, but I'm sure everyone will. Um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, you can follow. Uh, so I'll give you. Uh, so you can follow Dan Cyback uh, at uh, Biggest Nuck Fan on Twitter, and uh, you can uh, look at his uh, different content he brings out on Twitter there, and of course listen to him next, every episode that we have on Canucks and Pucks. And uh, and Aiden as as well. Um, I'm gonna have to call. It. Yeah, at at Aiden Bat uh, and Twitter, and you can also read his work on uh, the hockey writers where I write as well, of course. And uh, thanks, guys, for for coming on. And uh, I have to announce that we both uh, all of us are going to be hosts or co-hosts as we go forward. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Yeah. Check out the new article coming out tomorrow. There's a bit of a self plug, but yeah, I actually, I never, I never miss them. Actually, you guys, you guys actually, you, I shouldn't say it that way. That sounded really bad. <laughs> you guys put out really good content and it's, uh, 
you know, there is some stuff out there that I find, you know, very frustrating to read. Uh, these aren't narratives. It's just, here's what's going on. And um, if people haven't, um, haven't read it or people aren't sure, definitely start taking a read because there's some really good stuff there. Well, thanks, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, Hockey Writers is growing uh, quite fast as uh, we have some, some great writers coming on and uh, we already have some great writers on the site. Really so, do. Yeah. Really do. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, tomorrow, uh, Canucks play at 7:45. Uh, you'll be listening to the to this podcast this morning, so it'll be later tonight to watch to watch the Canucks, and uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, the next day if time permits to actually have another recap of Game Two, and hopefully we'll be talking about a win rather than more frustrations about another loss. <laughs> it'll be a lot less ranty if it's a win, I'm sure. <laughs> that's for sure and i'm sure we'll be able to pick out some stuff they need to still do uh better as uh time goes on too oh of course what would what would we be doing if not that because <laughs> we're all we're all experts right we're all oh, yeah. you know yeah otherwise otherwise we'd be in the nhl if we weren't experts on this <laughs> that's right <laughs> for sure <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, look forward to the next episode and uh, all the content coming out from Hockey Writers. Uh, and thank, thanks, guys. And uh, go Canucks, go. We'll hopefully be talking about a win next. I think this was episode nine of the podcast. And I want to thank uh, Aiden and Dan for coming on and for becoming co-hosts. Uh, it's going to be really exciting for, for our, you guys to come on all the time and have uh, some great content, some great conversation for you guys uh, out there. And uh, I'll leave you with Hopefully, some more of this coming up tonight from Jacob Mark. Across, Lebeck is robbed by Markstrom. Sprawling save, stacked the pads, and stuck the left leg up in the air to kick it out. Old school goaltending. We got some old school goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. Fade.